Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Tracy Rosser, who is Executive Vice President of Operations at Transplace, and Ben Cubitt, who is Vice President of Consulting and Network Services at Transplace. And today, we're going to talk about transportation market constraints, developing a shipper action plan. Now, last year, the pandemic uh, you know, disrupted the transportation market. Uh, basically throwing supply and demand off balance. And that imbalance continues today, you know, resulting in tight capacity, increased rates, and ongoing uh, uncertainty you know, for shippers. So what are kind of the main factors that are impacting the transportation market today? Uh, how can shippers um, you know, meet their capacity needs and meet their service levels without killing their transportation budgets? And how can technology help shippers meet their service and costs objectives. Well, those are some of the questions we're going to address in today's episode. And it's great to have Tracy and Ben with us today, who, you know, both bring a wealth of knowledge and experience to, to the table to share their insights and advice on this topic. So Tracy, Ben, welcome to the program. Hey, great to be here, Adrian. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Adrian. It's great to be here. So Tracy, uh, you know, uh, like I joked before we got started here, um, you know, it's, it's almost like a lifetime ago since you were last time, you know, you, you were last in the program in light of everything that's happened, specifically the, uh, the, the pandemic and, and how that's kind of turned everything around. Um, and today there's certainly, as a result of that, there's, there's a lot of focus today on what's happening in the transportation market, specifically with, with rates when you talk to, to shippers. But maybe as a way to get started, I mean, what are some of the main factors that are impacting the transportation market today? Yeah, so so Adrian, I, I'll start out by saying that, you know, you live through years like 2014, 2018, and you kind of think you've seen it all. Uh, and then, then the last 18 months come along um, and, uh, and really, you know, bring, bring new challenges um, to the to the to the uh, to the you know the, to the surface and, and supply chain. What I would tell you first of all, um, it's it's absolutely unprecedented times. I mean, the turbulence that's happening in global supply chains, just beyond transportation, that have an impact on transportation, um, is uh, it's it's something like we've never seen before, um, or at least in my time. And I would tell you, in most organizations right now. Um, I'll tell you, the supply chain teams are probably the hardest working people in, in organizations today. And so I see people working really hard and working really smart. Um, and I see people that have really aligned themselves to great partners. Um, and, and so that's hugely important. We'll probably talk a little bit more about that uh, throughout this conversation. Um, but to your question of kind of what's causing it, this is kind of the what. And I feel like I'm almost reporting the news that everybody knows. Um, with this question, again, extremely turbulent, there's, and you hit it, significant imbalances in supply and demand. And, and so that's really at the, at the forefront of the story. And then the question is why? Um, and when I think about demand, we've got the world reopening. Um, and it's reopening at different paces in different parts of the world and actually in different parts of North America as well. People are getting back to work. And, uh, and that's creating, creating demand. Then you've got the stimulus side of, of uh, you know, policy um, that's, that's creating demand as well. There's more money being put in people's pockets um, and, uh, and people spend when, when that happens. And thus that's creating demand. 
Um, and so then finally, um, there were, because of the pandemic, there was a surplus of, of money uh, in the U.S. consumer's pocketbook anyway. And so um, people are starting to get out and spending and, and thus creating demand. Plus inventories were at lows. So I think, um, you know, there were a lot of surveys done and we see this from our customers that inventories were at really, really super low points, both on the raw material side and, and the um, what I would call the finished goods side. And there's, there's a restocking of, of inventories that's happening in the business that's creating demand. On the supply side, um, what we're seeing is, um, again, the raw material shortages, lean inventories that are creating, um, you know, again, additional demand and, and, and creating pressure on the supply side. Uh, labor shortages uh, is an issue across the board for motor carriers, uh, whether it's for line haul drivers or in the LTL business, dock workers, uh, people that are handling freight, you know, moving across facilities, um, whether it's labor shortages and distribution centers, uh, people that load freight and unload freight that's creating issues. Um, and then the class eight backlogs um, right now, it's hard to get uh, class eight tractors and uh, because of a variety of issues. And so there's, there's a supply side that's trying to catch up with demand uh, that's rebounding demand from last year. Um, and, you know, we believe that demand is going to continue to, to stay strong on a relative basis versus last year. Um, and so, you know, you kind of put your, put your uh, glasses on and your forward glasses and, and you look at the imbalances and the view is, is that it, in the trucking sector, you think that th those imbalances are going to continue. Um, and then the same thing's happening in the ocean markets and the, and the rail markets. Um, there's, there's, um, if you think about rail and just talk about the supply side, uh, I was looking at some numbers, Adrian, uh, just, uh, just a few days ago. And I think train speeds are down 13% cars online were, uh, were up about 15% and, uh, and dwell was up double digits. And so there's a lot of inefficiencies that are affecting supply, uh, in different modes as well. So that's, that's probably a, a you know a snapshot of what we're seeing from a from a you know what's causing the issues uh, right now and and um, and what we're seeing across modes. You know, as you were kind of going through all, all those different factors, you know, it, you know, it's amazing. I mean, you do like I said, you know, you kind of tend to hyper focus perhaps sometimes on you know rates and what's happening with rates or what's happening in the spot market and so forth. But when you really take a step back and look at it from that very broad perspective, you realize that there are so many different factors that are really contributing to, um, you know, the challenges that shippers are experiencing. And it's not just shippers. I mean, it's carriers, too, and, and, and third-party logistics providers who are looking to find labor, as you pointed out. So there's a lot of, you know, moving pieces to, to all this. And, and some of it, you know, might get resolved in the near term, but some of these are more long-term you know, uh, issues that are going to take time and, and, and money and investment, you know, to really, you know, to really overcome, um, you know, just to stick with you for a second and Ben, maybe you can, can uh, you know, answer, uh, provide your perspective, to this question as well. So, I mean, so that's kind of the big picture of you when you look at your, um, you know, what's happening in the market. Um, I mean, how is it affecting your network and, and the shippers you work with? I mean, what, what's your key takeaways when you look at it now from a, 
kind of transplace perspective, your network, your customers? Yeah, so so Adrian, I always try to look at the world through our customers' eyes and through through their lens. And what we see is customers that uh, that, that quite frankly need additional support, and they're asking for for additional support. And that's what you know we're in business to provide. And so um, again, I see customers who are um, you know trying to manage through still a bit of a crisis mode. Um, and we still see customers in that crisis mode and the recovery mode. Um, and, and so they're still dealing with the things we talked about. They're dealing with struggles on getting inbound raw materials to, to make their product. Um, they're struggling with, with high demand and they're struggling with lack of labor and, and all the things we talked about. And so consequently, what's happening is their costs are increasing and their service is eroding. And so those are the things that they're asking for help and that we're looking through our data trying to figure out where are the opportunities to help them. Um, what I'm seeing from our customers is those that I think are best in class is, in the, you know, Ben and I were talking about this earlier, that this is a time for leadership. And it's not just a time for um, the supply chain people um, to, to be involved. What I'm seeing is best in class is um, a CEO and a CFO that are very educated in what's going on in the business um, because it is a broader supply chain solution set that needs to occur. Um, and so, you know, Ben, I think you said uh, there's a penalty for siloed behavior right now. And, and I agree with that. And because if, you know, companies that we're looking at that, that I think are best in class, you've got a CEO or a COO with the partner of a chief supply chain officer that are looking at things like what's what's what should my a is my network right is my sourcing strategy right and then from that do i have the right economic order quantities do i have the right agreements with my customers um, then i'm looking at, at what's happening in my factories with production and i'm seeing a ceo on a call with head of manufacturing and saying okay why are we cutting orders that uh, you know that are shipping in such tight lead times when there's seven loads for every truck in the U.S. and why am I shipping partial orders? How do we need to think about that as a company? Those are things that affect transportation cost and supply chain cost, but they're bigger and broader than just a, a conversation with with someone that manages transportation. But it affects that transportation budget, and so we're seeing from our customers a willingness to a um, speak more broadly about things that affect the supply chain. And um, we're helping provide that data and be a conduit of conversation and then offering also solutions to those things that are happening. Um, and so that's, that's what we're seeing in, in terms of customers kind of changing their behavior. Um, and also, Ben, you can touch on this we're seeing customers kind of let us into their business more as a result of the, the data and the capabilities that we have um, to help bring solutions to them that are both kind of tactical solutions and long-term strategic solutions. Yeah, no, great, great, great points there. I mean, I, I love the fact, and I agree, you know, I think going back to 2018, I think 2018 was when I think many more CEOs and CFOs became aware of this thing called supply chain and how it impacted their P&L and, and balance sheets and everything else. And, and certainly that message has been, you know, the pandemic, you know, certainly continue to elevate 
you know, the role and importance of supply chain management internally across the organization and particularly in leadership and also even outside, you know, to, to general population. I think now people that I used to be on the sidelines with at Little League games who could never understand what I did for a living, you know, they, they come up to me and say, hey, now I think I know more about supply chain now than I ever did before. I think I know understand what you do for a living now. <laughs> yeah, so. and, and it's amazing the conversations that are taking place, Adrian, about um, you know shipment sizes and release times and and inventory strategies. Um, you know that are that are that are really complex decisions that that need multiple players at the table to uh, to answer those questions. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, ben, I think, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I think one thing we're seeing with all the actions Tracy alluded to are what we're seeing, but we're seeing a shift. So shippers are over the shock. They're trying to get out of the fire drill mode. You know, it's just been such a battle to react to, you know, COVID openings, closings, West Coast tightness, you know, inventory surges, uh, the Suez Canal blocked. I mean, I think that's a, it's a good metaphor for this year, you know, a, a ship stranded in a canal, uh, disrupting global traffic, you know, just that, that mental image. But I think there's a real effort among uh, the best shippers and certainly uh, our, our focus is how do you get out front of this? You know, how do you keep fighting the day-to-day -day battle, but how do you start doing planning? It's interesting in our consulting business, um, we've always very active in procurement and, and we have a strong network optimization practice, but we're probably in the middle of about 10 network optimization projects right now. So people are, you know, my, my supply chain's been disrupted. I've done things just like the penalty for being siloed, the penalty for having an inefficient supply chain is higher than ever. So uh, we see a lot of people doing network optimization, but it, it's more, it's not optimizing your carrier's performance because you can only control that so much. But how do you help your carriers? You know, some of the things Tracy was talking about, how do you make sure you turn equipment? If ocean containers are tight, and you're a shipper and you're hanging on to an ocean container, you're adding to kind of supply chain and network inefficiency. Same way if, if uh, you know, carriers will tell you, I have drivers in the market, I have trailers, I mean, I've got loads, I've got my whole C team looking for trailers, you know, in Atlanta because I could, I could ship product if I could find some trailers. And so, uh, and we need to keep drivers in this industry. So all those things are challenges, you know, that um, as we look at this economy starting to boom again, some of those inefficiencies people are starting to pay attention to. And I think that's great. You know, you know if a carrier can't give you capacity, uh, we say uh, this is a tough market to fire your way to success, right? You know, so if a carrier can't give you capacity exactly the way they could before, if they can't handle 100% of the lane, but they can handle 50%, that's a win. Take that and go find the other 50%. Don't keep beating them up because they just can't supply it through their driver availability or whatever. The same way, um, if they need some help to be able to handle your loads, if they need you to smooth uh, demand or even provide forecasting. So that's the big shift we see right now. People are, I think, trying to get past the shock of this market. It's not the polar vortex where it was a few months. It's not a hurricane where it disrupts things for 60 days in one part of the country. This is an ongoing chronic challenge that requires planning and and kind of a shift. So we see that shift and we're trying to support customers and shippers and our carriers in that shift. You know, you, you talked about, you know, the inefficiencies in the market. I think that's been a longstanding problem. I think there's a recognition that there's a lot of waste and inefficiency historically, but I think, you know, 
um, you, you always get by somehow, right? It may not be perfect, but you know, shipments always make it from point A to point B. You might pay a little bit extra here, so on and so forth. But I think when you have these types of events, you know, 2018 in particular, and then obviously what's been happening over the past 18 months, um, you know, that really shows the the pain and the 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 why we need to start looking at resolving some of these this waste and inefficiency that's out there in in the market uh, Ben, to kind of to stay with you I mean I guess that the question that a lot of shippers have is you know they're trying to find capacity but how, how, how can they find capacity without killing their budgets yeah you know that and I think it is all about capacity it's funny you know I've, I've had a couple conversations with very large shippers in the last week probably three different shippers who all say have transportation budgets in the 600 million to the billion plus range. And a lot of those folks are seeing unprecedented demand. You know, when they do their earnings call, they're talking about 20% growth year over year. Well, if you've got an opportunity to grow 20%, 25%, um, the C team cares about that, right? And so um, you can get in trouble for calls. Uh, you can get, you can get uh, removed for lack of capacity. So it is very much a capacity battle. And we think it first begins with data. You know, we're, we're very data-driven, data-focused. And when we look at shippers that we work with in our transportation management business, our consulting business, the ones we see succeeding are, are fighting a daily tactical battle first at the lane SCAC level. And, you know, we still see some people who, who really aren't driving by data. So in other words, they, they may be talking to their carriers about performance, but not in a detailed level. It's just kind of a high level, I need more trucks, you know, and that, that, that's useful, but it really doesn't move the needle. We think what you've got to do in this market is you really got to understand where you're having disruptions. And, and we believe in root cause. This is a, a great market for root cause analysis. Is it the carrier? Is it the market? Is it me? And, and all three of those are important. You know, it, there are certain markets where all of a sudden it's just very tight capacity and you need a different plan. And, um, you know, there are, there are carrier issues. And if your carrier is telling you by the fact, we, we see situations where people um, have offered the same carrier 80 plus loads in a three month time frame, and, um, you know, the carrier is taking four loads. It, you know, it's time to, to, to move on, right? You know, ask the carrier one more time, but if they can't fix it, you've got to move on. And so I, I think it's time to look at data, uh, do root cause analysis, talk with your carriers. You know, Tracy and I were talking about this uh, this is a time for collaboration between, you know, cross silos, but with your partners and your carriers are your, your first most critical um, partner. Um, again, we've talked about network efficiency, but we are starting to see a focus on that. And I think it's great. Despite all these challenges, TransPlace is focused this way. And I think most of the shippers we talked to are focused this way. They care as much about being a preferred shipper and being carrier driver friendly as they ever have been. And when you talk to, to carriers right now, um, it's not part of what, the way they're trying to solve the driver shortage, which I might even call a driver crisis, is salary, but equally it, it's lifestyle. So you see a lot of carriers trying to modify their network. And even if it's not a true dedicated, they're trying to create network dedicated. That's what we're trying to do in TransPlace. We've grown our dedicated fleets. And one of the things I think that shippers are focused on is where can I have dedicated capacity? So there's kind of a, when we talk about capacity, I think modal capacity is an important thing to look at because if truckloads can continue to be constrained, what can you do about that? And so 
Uh, we see a renewed focus on dedicated. How do I make my dedicated more efficient? Um, with Transplace or with other partners at 3PL, uh, other shippers, you can expand your fleet profile. So we see a lot of that. I need as much fleet as I can get in my network. If I can get backhauls, I can go lanes that I normally wouldn't do just in my own network. So that's, that's a big focus. I think the other thing is intermodal. You know, when you look at intermodal, um, you could take, a, again, if you're not looking at data and if you're not looking at the market outlook, you could take an approach that says, intermodal is difficult right now. There's some lanes I'm having trouble on. So I'm just going to move those back to truck road. Um, but what we see really good shippers doing is staying committed to intermodal. And as lanes become available or constraints are removed or equipment becomes available, they're toggling back to intermodal as much as they can. And we're starting to see some real success with that, with some lanes coming back down. And again, you know, as some of this disruption eases a little bit, I think the shippers that are focused on intermodal and dedicated and collaboration, that's how you can get out of that, that kind of just daily my route guide battle. Um, one other thing, you know, what, what we're seeing too is, again, you got to focus on your daily tactical, but this transition to, I, I want to get out of the fire drill. So I'll give you an example, um, tremendous challenges with Mexico northbound freight. So there's always been an imbalance and due to COVID and some other reasons, and with manufacturing and some other things starting up uh, very strong south of the border for automotive, uh, really saw a tremendous increase in volume northbound. Well, the southbound volume just did not match that. She had this tremendous imbalance. So um, our Mexico team started barging freight from uh, Mexico and, and the Texas ports over to Tampa and then trucking it up to Florida and the Southeast. So at some point you can't solve the imbalance. You know, you're gonna lose that daily battle. So do something innovative. Put 53 foot containers on a barge, move uh, a percentage of that over to Florida ports and then service the Southeast and Florida uh, via a rail truck option. And we see shippers doing that. You know, how do, how do they get innovative? So I, I think that's one of the biggest things we're seeing right now, Adrian, is you know, fighting the good fight daily with data, with collaboration with your carriers, with information, with root calls, you know, really understand what's going on and fix things, um, look at forecasting. But then when you have persistent problems and you're not able to fix them, go look for an innovative solution, either resource that lane, look for a new modal, uh, look for some new partners, but don't just let it fester. Yeah, no, yeah. Great, great examples there. And uh, uh, Tracy, you wanted to add something? Yeah, yeah, to, to just kind of compliment what, what Ben was saying in terms of, you know, there's there's tactical uh, things that, that need to happen and and then more long-term. And, and I think the long-terms are super important because what you see happening is the, um, the supply chain, in, in my mind, it takes um, less, less periods of disruption um, to cause bigger supply chain issues. Like there's not as, it, there's not as much slack, particularly in the trucking markets is there has been um, historically, it feels like. So it feels like a disruption. Uh, if there's any disruption, that there's, there's effect um, and impact from disruption um, more today than it has been in the past. And there's, there's a, you know, we could probably talk for hours about why that might be. Um, so I think about what are all the fundamentals that need to be in place um, to, to create a more resilient supply chain 
Um, and again, it's data driven, right? To, to find where the loss is and, and where, the, where, where the opportunities are. And you, you, know, you think about times right now where labor's tough, raw materials are tough. Um, and this is why having the, the, the conversations elevator is so important because you really get into conversations and we see it, some of our suppliers looking at this as well. Like, let me take a look at my sort and my offering. And so maybe there's product that I need to really focus on and maybe there's product I don't need to produce and offer to the market anymore. And I can focus on that and I can better manage my supply. I can ship more efficient loads. I can better service my customers. Um, and so we see customers going through that thought process. Um, and, and it may be something long-term and it may be something that's short-term to get over the hump, um, but it creates more efficient loads because what we're seeing in the data is we're seeing um, our customers ship lighter loads, lower cube, less weight, et cetera, but they're still in a truckload mode. And Ben will probably touch on, you know, how, how we work to solve those things. And we see tighter lead times um, where customers are, again, in a, in a world where you've got seven to eight loads for every truck and normal uh, times are about one and three quarter um, is, you know, that's kind of equilibrium. And dropping orders today for pickup today is going to drive costs dramatically or pick up dropping an order that today for pickup tomorrow is still tough in, in this market. It can be done, but it's done at typically a cost because carriers are already pre-booked. And so um, you think about the planning and collaboration and forecasting that needs to take place and people reviewing those capabilities and work processes. Um, like I said, there's their assortments, um, they're, they're, um, they're sourcing, um, you know, are they near sourcing or think about thinking about near sourcing because of what's happening in, in the global markets. Um, so those in economic order quantities and frequencies of delivery, um, those are all things that need to be considered and evaluated, um, during times like this, but on an ongoing basis as well. Yeah, I right. think, it, I think it's interesting, Tracy, you know, um, we have a couple different solutions that, that have been useful in this market, especially uh, we have a partial load matching where, you know, if one of our customers has 10,000 pounds going from Ohio to California and somebody else has 15,000 pounds going from Ohio to Arizona, uh, we'll make a multi-pick, multi-delivery out of that. And we've seen that volume just increase tremendously. Uh, then we have shared dedicated fleets where, you know, we, we're, we're putting... Um, uh, lanes together, multiple customers, and we also have uh, dynamic continuous moves where today, not, not a long-term match, but today there's an opportunity for an inbound truck into Atlanta uh, to match. We, we, we grab that same driver and truck and we tie it to a different customer's load over to Alabama. So we keep that fastening network. Uh, but what's interesting about that, all those solutions, you know, add capacity in a tough market. But you know, as we have discussions with customers, we traditionally would ask, well, do you mind if any of those solutions are with your competitors? And we used to get, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm fine to collaborate with this person or that person, but I really don't, can't, can't ride along with these companies. You know, I can't ride along with somebody who, who's my arch competitor. And today, it's like, no, absolutely. You know, if it provides capacity and it provides value, we don't care at all. Put, our, put it with anybody as long as the products are compatible. Uh, all that resistance has, has been removed in this market. Well, I mean, I guess that's, that's one of the plus things, right? You know, when, uh, you know, in times like this, you know, we, we always talk about, 
you know, the importance of collaboration and collaborative shipping and some of the things you, you, you know, you talked about and, uh, but companies always fail to walk the talk on that, but, you know, when times get tough, you know, some of those perhaps uh, reasons that they uh, had in the past for not doing it, you know, they kind of take a look at it and say, you know what, is it really that important? You know, what's more important, you know, getting the product to, to our customers on time and at a reasonable cost or, you know, having, uh, you know, our competitors, you know, right along, you know, with, along with our freight, but, um, uh, you know, you, you both talked a lot about, you know, data, right. And, and how this, you know, data really, uh, and we have so much of it today and, and, and at very granular level and how that underpins a lot of, uh, you know, the opportunities that, um, you know, for, for enhanced collaboration and for eliminating waste and inefficiency and so forth. Um, you know, obviously, you know, uh, what goes along with data a lot of times is technology, whether it's software optimization, whatever the case might be. So, so Tracy, to you then, I mean, how can technology, you know, help shippers, uh, you know, again, meet their service and cost, you know, objectives in, in this environment? Yeah, again, you know, data and technology together with, with the right processes um, are incredibly powerful in this time to help solve issues. And, and a customer's willingness to what I would call, you know, what, what Ben was calling removing constraints, historical constraints, uh, because the more constraints that are removed, the better we can apply optimization capabilities um, to, to customers and help them find ways to reduce costs and improve service. And so um, I think about, you know, um, technology that's used in planning and forecasting, technology that's used um, in the planning phase to determine, okay, because order sizes are changing so much, um, what's the right capability to pick for this particular shipment at this moment in time? And that's what Ben and his, I'm not trying to do a transplace plug here, but this is just an example, is that, um, you know, Ben's de developed a set of capabilities and optimization um, efforts that help, uh, you know, dynamically kind of pick and choose what's the right solution for today's shipment. And so um, that's, it, those are capabilities and technologies that, that you know, are, are developing and, and that are hugely important in times like this. Um, then I think about everybody wants to know, where's my merchandise? And so um, having a, you know, a, a, a TMS and connectivity that helps you understand very simplistically, where's my merchandise? Um, you know, a control tower, we have a control tower in, in our TMS platform. Uh, we're connected with, you know, the, the right visibility connections. Um, and, and also, so people can tell where their merchandise is, when it's going to deliver, because people don't have inventory. Um, it's becoming more critical. And they want to know if there's, if there's risk to those shipments. And if there's disruption, what are you going to do to, to intermediate and, and solve, solve a potential disruption? Or, if there is, just make us aware so that we can plan for a disruption. And so technology and that visibility in the communication um, it has never been more important than in today's world. And so that's helping solve people's problems. Um, so Ben, I'll pause there and see if, if you've got anything to, to add to that. I, I think it's all about data and then it's all about uh, how you use the data. So it's interesting talking to shippers um, in our consulting practice or our TM. Our, our best shippers 
are, are well past having data and, and, and reporting. It's how do I drive even more with that? How do I make that data actionable? You know, that, that's really the focus because, you know, you've got your plan and, you know, transportation, I guess the good news, bad news about transportation, I like to say, as soon as you have your plan, you start walking away from it, it just starts falling apart behind you. <laughs> that's just the nature of transportation. You know, there's so many variables that come into it. So you have to be able to say, you know, what part of my plan's working, what's not working. And, and we believe, you know, data, data visualization, tools that help shippers see that. And, and you know, we think you, you've got to have some people focused on, you know, variation in your plan, variation in this market kills you. You know, and, you know Tracy talked earlier about there's less elasticity, there's less recovery. So if a truck breaks down or if I ship 10 extra loads, or if I have to ship product, you know, we see that. Imagine in this market, if you're, you know, if you have to ship product from one plant or one DC to another, you've got to go out and source those lanes in a very, very difficult market. So what we see is, is people, a great example, one of the best I can think of is uh, we've got a shipper, and I think they do a great job of trying to forecast their volume out the next two or three weeks. And so they look and they're looking at award volume versus capacity. Um, and, and, you know, not enough shippers look at this. And, and it's, you know, I, I thought I was going to ship 10. I told my carrier I'm going to ship 10, but I've been consistently shipping 20 a week. So identify that first. Go talk to your team and say, is this going to continue? Is it a temporary? If it's going to continue, no, this, this volume needs to be reset to 20 a week. You need to go back and get a plan. And, and all that detail comes from having good reporting, good analytics, and then, you know, taking that mass of data and turning it into action steps that the team is going to do. They're going to look at this report. They're going to look for this information. They're going to take these actions that will improve the network. Yeah, a lot, a lot of great points there. I mean, you know, obviously it starts with, with the data and we have more of it than, than ever before. A lot of that comes from some of these visibility solutions you talked about. But then when you marry that up with, you know, uh, you know optimization, I mean, optimization technology today is so much more advanced than it was, you know, certainly a decade ago. Um, and because of the computing power that's available to, to everyone today, I mean, you can, you can uh, be able to analyze much more complex problems in a, in a very short time period that, you know, 10, 20 years ago, it might've taken uh, an optimization engine, you know, an entire day to crunch through the numbers to come up with an answer. Now that, that, that answer can come out in minutes, you know, and, and be able to do that in a more dynamic, you know, fashion. So certainly I see that, I see the same thing, you know, visibility, you know, leveraging that data, visualization of data, business intelligence analytics, and then so much going on on the optimization front. And obviously all the, the more emerging things like machine learning and AI that uh, you know, continue to you know, enhance that, that value. Um, you know, Ben, just to, to stick with you here, you, you know, and going back, I think you, you touched upon it a little bit earlier, but I think it's a question a lot of shippers also have. I mean, are you seeing you know, shippers take or, or do they need to take a kind of a different approach to transportation procurement, right? The, the old process or the traditional process being, hey, do a one big bid, you know, beginning of the year or at, or at some point in the year and then ride that out and then look and see what happens, you, you know, the, the following year. Um, seems to me that that's out of date with regards to the way that the market environment is today. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think it's one of the, the hottest questions of the last 12 months, right? Last 12, 24 months, I get more Conversations, you know, we'll do 200, 250 bid events with shippers this year across all modes. And so the question always begins with, should I do a bid? 
Uh, when should I do it? Should I change the timing? How long should I contract? And so even though we see a ton of conversation about that, Adrian, we still see the annual bid modified. It's not your, you know, it's not your, your old mobile. It's not the same old bid. It's changed. But annual bids still work. And, you know, again, if, if I think of those two or three um, shippers with very large spins, uh, they're all doing bids, but they're doing bids differently than they've ever done them in the past. And so, um, you know, it used to be you could do your bid, like you say, and you put it in place, and there was a little bit of, of, of degradation, and maybe toward the end of the year a little bit more, and it was a good time to reset it. But that plan kind of worked for a year. Um, now you, you do your reset, but you probably want to start that reset with some carrier negotiation. You don't want, you know, if you've got a carrier who's performing in a lane, whose pricing is competitive, you don't necessarily want to take that out to bid. You know, if you can reach a, a good agreement with that carrier, uh, reasonable uh, cost to impact change for the next year, not disrupt their network, support them, the network they've built. And if you can uh, keep that change out of your network, that's great. So we see a lot more pre-negotiation based on how the care is performing and, and, and you know all of that. So but then when you finish that, you still need to bid stuff. So we still see an annual bid. Um, what we also see is you need to be prepared for that annual bid to have more, just like everything else, more disruption and variability. So you know you get through your whole bid process. Uh, you're probably more interactive with the carriers from beginning to end than you've ever been. You go to a carrier and you go, hey, congratulations. I'm going to give you these 100 lines. And they say, thank you very much. We'll take 50 of them. Or we'll take 80 of them. And, and even when they take 80, uh, two weeks later, they may give you five back. So there's more post-bid work than there's ever been. But then to your other point, um, we, we call it always be sourcing. You know, and, and I think that's kind of the motto. I think you, know, you source. Uh, we, we see people, and, and we, this is not outliers. We see on a regular basis that uh, people may be doing a mini bid a month after their bid went live to shore up some lanes, to handle new lanes. So um, we run a mini bid every two weeks in TransPlace uh, and multiple customers can join that. Uh, and we see other shippers that are running a monthly or at most every 60 day mini bid because you've just got that much going on. And, it, and it's really, um, it's tough to just go to two or three carriers and negotiate or find capacity, you usually have to cast a wider net. And that's the other thing we see in bids is um, you need to look at capacity in your network. I think sometimes people look at capacity at a very high level and they're just saying, here's my overall network. But you really, we think you need to look at an origin destination lane level. So in other words, there's probably every shipper has two or three origins that are chronically under capacity but they don't necessarily look at it that way. So part of what we think in a bid is where do you have needs and how do you align that with your carrier needs? But you probably need to add carrier and, and modal options that you didn't have because you have, you have gaps in your network and if your existing carrier base could solve it, you would have already solved it. Yeah, and I think, you know, I see a lot of the same things too. You know, I think a lot of shippers, um, you know, they recognize that, um, that, you know, they need to modify the, the traditional approach to transportation procurement. So to your point, it's not a completely abandon the traditional process, but certainly, you know, modify it. Uh, and I think some of the examples you gave there uh, are great examples of, of what I see a lot of shippers, you know, doing as well. Um, you know, we're running a little bit short on time here. So maybe as a way to wrap up, um, you know, Tracy, I'll start with you. And then 
Um, uh, ben, you can add your, your thoughts on it. I mean, are there any uh, innovative or outside the box things that shippers can you know, do to, again, successfully navigate through these challenging market conditions? Yeah, so, so Adrian, this, uh, I don't know if this is gonna come across as innovative or if it's gonna come across as, um, as just different. And the, the thing that I think that I see our, our most successful engagements with our customers and customers being most successfully internally, um, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier that these are times for leadership. And um, I see our most successful customers being those that have all the way up to the top of the organization educated uh, about what's happening in the, in the space of supply chain and transportation um, and, and, and you know, bringing the right parties across their organization together at the table um, with their providers that uh, are great providers that can bring data to the conversation, that can bring thought leadership uh, to the conversation, and that, that challenge your norms and companies to listen to that, invite it and, and listen to it. Um, that doesn't happen every day. Um, you know, typically you have people that just deal in, in, in companies that just are very siloed. And so I think that is a new, a, a way of working um, that's, that's innovative and also bringing all the, all the appropriate stakeholders together that, that can create a successful outcome. Um, and so I, I think that's where, where I tend to lead with that question. And then the, the other piece that, that's innovative is just trying to, um, and we're, we're spending a lot of resources on this as a company for our customers, um, and that is to get really great timely data uh, that help help you understand really what's happening in your network um, and, and then marry that together with appropriate suggestions and solutions and recommendations to, to, to you know, um, to, to create value. And so um, I think the speed of that information flow is, um, is, is critical to, to navigating these times. Um, and then, you know, the other piece is um, allowing, allowing companies to, to be closer to the customer, um, you know, transparency of data and data flow and, and the sharing of that information um, so that we can execute on their behalfs. Um, and so that, that's kind of how I think about that question um, in, in today's world and what's probably facing us for, for at least the, the balance of the year. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think those, those that's some great uh, you know insights and, and advice there. Ben, anything to add to that? Yeah, I, I I think collaboration is just one that we see. So we uh, we work with shippers to help find fleet backhauls. And so if you've got a fleet at finding backhauls with other shippers, you know the first thing you do is try to innovate your own network. You know, so we do see people going to heavyweight shipments, uh, really looking inside their own network for matches more than they ever have, um, and then. The other innovation is how do I deal with, with surges, unusual events? So if I'm gonna have an end of month, end of quarter, a seasonal surge, I need to be planning for that. And so um, people have always, some people have always planned a little bit, but I mean, you really have to have uh, pop-up fleets are, are a big thing right now. And so um, the innovation comes first inside your own network. Can you do some things? Make sure you capture inbound, outbound matches, uh, ship heavier weights, 
uh, just make sure you build lead time in. There's a little things, but, and then the next thing is once you've done everything inside your own network, how do you leverage partners? You know, how do you leverage like an $11 billion network like TransPlace has? And so that openness and that willingness that we talked about earlier, uh, people are, hey, take my network, overlay it with somebody else. And if the network win is better than my individual win, that's what I ought to do. And, and I think that's a new exciting area that we're looking at. So instead of saying, this is my best lane shipment within my lane uh, you know, solution within my network, when I look collaboratively, often I have a better, either with a carrier or with other shippers, I may have a better solution outside my network. We see more openness to that. And you know the data and the visibility you talked about helps with that. Because again, data helps you see it and visibility helps you have confidence in it that, that it's working and that you know you can do it. And Adrian, I would I would just um, follow it up too with, um, you know, with with innovation comes you know trust, and I think about trust in times like this with again with having the right partners right, and um, in in being in a in an engagement in a trusting engagement such that you can remove constraints to allow um, you know people that that want to help you, enable them to help you. Um, and that's, that's when we're best positioned to do so, um, is as constraints are, are analyzed and removed that used to be historical constraints so that companies can bring kind of the power of their scale to your benefit. Um, so that's, um, that's, that's the other piece. And again, it's kind of more outside the box thinking uh, for times like this. Yeah, no, I love it. I think trust is is one of those things that I, th I think we don't talk enough about. But and certainly it's 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 in times like these where it becomes you know critically important and 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 what you have to rely on truly with your partners, uh, you know, to to again, uh, you know, make it a win win uh, opportunity for everyone uh, everyone involved. Well, you know, uh, this is one of those topics where, you, you know, literally, and not to exaggerate, you could probably have a, a full two-day conference to talk about everything that we, we managed to, you know, talk about in a relatively short time frame here. But you, both of you provided some, some great insights, some great advice. Uh, we certainly covered a lot of ground and, um, you know, certainly got, provided some great food for thought for, you know, our listeners out there to give thought as they, you know, continue to face, uh, you know, the, the current environment out there. So, uh, Tracy, Ben, uh, thank you both for making the time to be with us today. Thanks, Adrian. Thanks for having us. I want to thank those of you that joined us. Uh, if you're watching this episode on demand, either at the TransPlace website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Tracy or Ben, uh, you can post it there, and I'm sure they'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.